Hello, everyone. Please, somebody in the live chat, let me know if I have audio just to make sure. Hold on. Actually, I could check myself. Testing. All right, good. Um, all right, so guys, I don't know if you guys saw. Iran just uh, two days ago sent over some missiles, 12, I think, to Erbil, which is the Kurdistan part of Iraq. And this is not getting that much attention because everybody is occupied. Everybody's just following what's happening in Ukraine. And I'm here wondering... By the way, I'm, I'm going to give you the best analysis you could get on any, any of this because there's not that much discussion going around here. And I have gathered all the expert intelligence, every single theory or commentary that I've heard from both English and Persian sources on this. And I've gathered it all on my Google Doc note right here. And I'm going to go through it. And I'm going to add my own commentary, which is going to be even better than what they have to say um, on top of that. And nowhere this is being done. And this is significant. Okay. So, like, I'm here wondering, like, you guys, everybody is talking about how what's happening between, you know, Russia and NATO could potentially be devastating to the whole world. It could bring up World War III. And all of this is because Russia has nukes and NATO has nukes. NATO countries have nukes. And imagine the day where you add to all this, all of this equation um, Iran having nukes, okay? It, then it would be... A, the, the discussion would be beyond just survival or geopolitics it would also be ideological and imagine how much closer to annihilation we'll get when that day comes all right and i know not many people are paying attention to the fact that missiles just cross borders between two countries right now and you know just because Another border between Ukraine and Russia is now a bigger deal. But this is significant. All right. And I'm going to go through this. First, we're going to talk about what happened. And then I'm going to give you the best analysis you could get on, on this. Right. Um, yes. Oh, hi, music guy. How's my audio? All right. So first, let's go over. I'm just going to share my screen just so that we could get just really quickly go over what happened for the, for most of you who have no idea that this just happened okay and then i'm gonna go over my notes and we're gonna discuss every single detail about why this happened and what are their what are the implications in the nuclear talks that are happening is it even related is it related to russia and ukraine yes the answer is yes okay is it relation to the nuclear talks that are happening in vienna the answer is yes okay um what does iraq have to do with vienna and what does iraq have to do with russia and ukraine okay we'll get to every we get to all of that okay so just bear with me all right let me share my screen I'm surprised at how, like, what I'm about to give you here. I mean, I looked everywhere 
like you're not going to get this anywhere else all in one place okay so i'm providing you a great service so you might as well just like this video right now okay because you're not going to get this amount of information on this everywhere else okay this is just an intro I'm, i i just this is the short intro on this like that you know that we're going to go over just so that everybody is on the same page and then we go through the analysis okay i'm going to play this let me know Oh, layout is missing. Thank you so much. Awesome. For thank you, thank you, thank you. Hold on. Nope, not that one. Thank you. There we go. Yes, the 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 overlay reminds you guys to subscribe. So that's very important because a lot of you just come here and watch these videos and you're like, oh, that was amazing, and then forget to subscribe. So if it's amazing, that means the analysis is good. So you better subscribe, okay? Oh, thank you so much, Secular Sekai, for the $2 super chat. I really appreciate that. Okay. All right, guys, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Okay. But here, let's let's watch this video and then we'll go over this, uh, the analysis. It's the first time we're seeing an attack of this scale after the IRGC leader, Qasem Soleimani, was killed in Baghdad and ballistic missiles were fired both in northern Iraq. And so for people who don't know, IRGC is a supply passer on, right? The Islamic Revolutionary, you know. Um, what is the English word? They're basically the Sepai uh, Pasaran, the Revolutionary Guard Corps. Corp? Yeah, so the English version of that. But these are the, the military, the ideological branch of the armed forces in Iran, which is like we have the, the Iran, Iran has two armies, right? Two main, two armed forces. One is the Artesh, and the other one is the IRGC or the Persian version is the Sepah Pasaran, or the Sepah for short. Um, and the Sepah, or the IRGC, is the more ideological version of it. And they basically control, they, they, they technically own the country now, right? So, and we'll get over that as well, right? So they came, they came out and they claimed responsibilities for this attack, right? So they were like, this was us. And again, the fact that they just came out and said it, that's also significant. We'll get over that as well. So this was in uh, this these missiles attacked northern Iraq, okay? And towards U.S. Uh, cons uh, U.S. facilities, military facilities that is in Iraq. What we okay, so this in, that's inaccurate. What he's saying it wasn't towards U.S. facilities. We'll get we'll go over that. So I think this was these reports were early on. So the assumption was because it, the it hit in Erbil, which is in Kurdistan part of Iraq. Um, the missiles hit close to where the, cons the U.S. consulate is. So some people assume that the U.S. consulate was the target. And it was also close to the airport. Some, some other people assume that the airport was the target. But these missiles are pretty accurate, right? You, um, Iran has, been, has managed to improve its missiles in the past 10 years. So... If it was if, if the target was the U.S. consulate, it would hit the U.S. consulate. Okay, so, but just because it was close, a lot of people assumed that that was the target. That was not the target. We know from U.S. and Iraqi officials that there was no damage caused by these 12 missiles, which hit around midnight Iraqi time uh, on the outskirts of. Iraq. So he says around midnight. Okay, the actual time apparently was, um, 1:20. Okay, a.m. So, and that's significant, okay? That is the... 1.20 a.m. is significant, okay? Because that's also when 
Qasem Soleimani was assassinated by U.S. forces. Okay, so apparently these rockets hit Erbil at exactly the time Qasem Soleimani was uh, was assassinated by rockets two years ago. Right, that was 2020. What I think it was January 2020. Hold on. That was, yeah, January 2020. No, no, that was in January. Was it January? No, I think it was, yeah, it was January. I'm not sure anymore. Um, hold on. Awesome. Soleimani assassination. Yeah, it was January. Okay, good. I remember things. I can't believe that. I actually... Oh, yes, January. You guys are confirming that. Okay, so um, another thing is that Qasem Soleimani's birthday apparently was March 11. So apparently this was also supposed to be a birthday gift to him. Um, I'm sure he appreciates that in heaven. I'm not sure about that, actually, like if that's the case. But the timing being so close to the assassination of Qasem Soleimani... Uh, is is said to be significant. See how careful I am. I don't make claims. I'm not. I'm not like so certain about my claims. Like I'm just telling you the things that are being reported. Okay. If I'm certain about some something, I I wouldn't say it was reportedly or allegedly or have said to be. Like I don't know if this is coincidental or if it's actually significant. But people are saying that this is significant. Okay. That it was at 1:20 a.m. See, like guys, this level of okay. You guys need to like this video. Seriously, like this video right now, okay? Th uh, this is not even optional right now. I'm demanding you that you have to like this video, okay? Uh, capital of the semi-autonomous uh, region of Kurdistan. There's been swift condemnation from the Kurdish uh, Prime Minister, Mr. Barzani, calling it a terrorist attack. We're hearing from the Iraqi Prime Minister saying that an investigation has been ordered and also condemnation from Muqtada al-Sadr, the powerful cleric whose uh, political block has secured the highest number of seats after October's elections, worth remembering that there is still no official government uh, since uh, October after these elections took place. Uh, what we do not know is what was the motive behind these attacks. Uh, there has been uh, targeting of IRGC uh, commanders and officials in Syria in recent days. Uh, we also know that this is coming at a critical juncture of Iran's relations with the outside world where the talks in Vienna uh, about nuclear, uh, the nuclear deal have been suspended. We also know that it also comes at the heels of heightened military tensions across the globe as Iran continues mm. to remain an important ally for Russia. Okay, the Russia angle is very important here. Like, um, it's interesting he mentions, he mentioned a whole bunch of things and there's a whole story about uh, behind all of this. He mentioned uh, the officials dying in Syria, which is connected to this. He mentioned Russia, which is connected all, to all of this. Um, but what he did not mention, and I'm assuming it's because this report came out before it happened, was that IRGC took responsibility, officially took responsibility for it. Did I mention that? I don't remember actually. This is show how bad my memory is because that just happened. Okay. So let's look at like, okay, so this is just a footage of the aftermath of like, this is just a close by. This is not the actual target. The building that was the target uh, was more damaged than this, but this was a TV station close to the target and the shockwave. This is what the shockwave did to this TV station. 
A dozen missiles have struck Erbil, the capital of the Kurdish-run, semi-autonomous region of northern Iraq. The strike was close to a sprawling US consulate complex. The Kurdish K24 TV channel located nearby suffered damage to its studios. Look at that. Iran's Revolutionary Guard claimed responsibility oh, for the- So this one is confirming that the IRGC did- Oh, Revolutionary Guard, okay? Islamic Revolutionary Guard, okay? So bypass Iran. Um, our IRGC took responsibility for this. The attack, saying it was in retaliation for an Israeli strike in Syria that killed two members of its force. One Ar- Okay, so they claim, I mean, I don't know if that's exactly what I said, what they said. I think they said, if I, if I, I don't know if you have been following this, um, but I, I thought they just said they're doing it because of what Israel has done. Guys, this story is connected to so many things. It's connected to Syria, it's connected to Israel, it's connected to Russia, it's connected to Vienna, okay, it's connected to Ukraine, right? So, um, I think the official announcement, I might be wrong about this, is was this is a retaliation to what Israel has done, what specifically Israel has done, because Israel has done many things to Iran, right? Um, was not specified, if I remember correctly, but this news report is specifying it. Israeli strike in Syria that killed two members of its force. One Iraqi... So what happened was recently Israel had... Um, so Israel takes uh, attacks Iranian proxies in Syria all the time, okay? All the time. Like, this is like, I don't know if you guys know, but this is such an ongoing thing that, no, that doesn't even get coverage, okay? Like, r- Syria right now has become a battleground am- among many groups, <laughs> including a battleground between Israel and the Islamic Republic of Iran, right? So... Like they take out like a lot of yeah. So recently, recently, two high officers, higher than usual apparently, of Iranian IRGC officers were taken out in Syria. Right. So this attack might be a direct retaliation for that. Okay. Yeah, music guy is confirming that yeah every week. Last time I'm saying not sure. Okay, okay. Official in Baghdad initially said several missiles had hit the embassy some 360 kilometers from the capital, but lock of I thought it was a consulate, not an embassy, and that was not the target. Bari, the head of Kurdistan's foreign media office, says none of the missiles struck the facility. The health ministry in Erbil says that no casualties have been reported. Okay. This whole no casualty thing is also by design, all right? So here we have a Persian tweet from, like, I think I think this is a, yeah, I think this is part of, like, Iran's news agency. Like, this is part of, like, something that they would. So it says that it's confirming that the um, attack was at 1.20 a.m. And, and it also is quoting... Another news agency saying that this timing was not accidental. Here's the video footage. You can see this is a security camera, and just you can see the missile hitting in the background. Actually, let me see if there's is there audio on this? No, this one doesn't have audio. I think the next tweets has has audio because it was it shooketh. Hold on, this was. No. 
Not this one. What are you recording, sir or ma'am? Okay, that was nothing. Oh, there we go. That's another footage. Here's another footage. All right. All right. I think everybody gets the picture. All right. So now that everybody is caught on with what's happening, let's go through what, what's happening, what's actually happening. Okay. Um, so one reason why this is significant. Oh, Qasim is saying BBC claimed that IRGC has claimed on Sunday, uh, on Sunday uh, that they have done this as a response to Israelis' recent crimes. Okay, that's what I thought. They didn't identify the crimes. They just said recent crimes, right? So recent crimes could include the two office, high-ranking officials that were just taken out in Syria or all the attacks within Iran, including cyber attacks um, and some other you know, explosions and stuff like that. I mean, recent by recent is a very vague... That's not a specific at all, right? Um, so one, one reason why this is very significant is because um, we haven't had an attack like this for two years, I think. When was the attack on Anal Assad Air Base in Iraq? Was, that was also 2020, wasn't it? Yeah, because it was... Yeah, of course, that was because that was in retaliation to the... Qasem Soleimani's assassination was it in the same month? I think that was also January 2020. Was it? Yes. That was also January 2020. Okay. So they didn't wait, right? They wanted to have a reaction fast, right? So usually, so why? So why? Because you might be saying, like, what the hell? I mean, that's not true. Like, uh, there's a lot of Iranian forces in Iraq doing attacks all the time. How is this a new thing since 2020? Like you're saying since 2020, we haven't had a, anything similar to this, right? Well, we have because we haven't had that because you all the meddling and the attacks that happens in Iraq um, on behest of the Iranian government usually is done by proxies, right? So the significance of this was it was not done by proxies. This was the Islamic Republic itself. This was IRGC. And they they didn't hide it. Like, like even before they came and claimed it, people were like, these missiles were not coming from Iraq. These missiles cross borders. Usually when there's an attack in Iraq from um, on behalf of the Iranian government, is within Iraq, like it's from Iraq to Iraq, right? But this crossed the borders from Iran to Iraq. And that was, people already reported the missiles coming from Iran, but they're like, you don't need to investigate. We're going to come out. And they, they took responsibility, right? <coughs> so the only time, the last time this happened was the attack on Anil Assad Air Base in Iraq in, in, in January 2020. However, 
that was on a military airbase. This was mostly on a civilian area. So this is even arguably more serious, right? Um, similar to that in 2020, um, we have had people saying that nobody died and the Iranian government or the IRGC, at least part of the Iranian government, claiming that, oh, no, people died. Who died? Mossad agents. That's what they claim, okay? And it's very interesting because the attack on Anal Assad Air Base was also, the Americans came and, and said, like, nobody died. Not only nobody died in 2020, uh, apparently it was leaked to us that these attacks are coming so that we could move the soldiers so that nobody dies, so that this doesn't trigger something more significant. But then Iran, Iran's government came out and said, and that no, a hundred U.S. soldiers died. We actually killed a hundred U.S. soldiers, and they're lying. Okay, and we'll get to the significance of this uh, of these contradictory claims, right? And also, I, I don't know if you guys saw our interview with Catherine Shackdam. Make sure you check that out. Uh, she was one of the um, journalists who were, who was used by the government to put that information out that one hundred U.S. soldiers died. Like they wanted like a Western. A journalist, Western-looking journalist, to confirm that. So that's what they gave that information to her, right? Guys, we interviewed her. Make sure you watch that interview. It's the video before this one, okay? Um, on our YouTube channel, if you're watching, listening this to somewhere else, right? Um, okay, so I think she was the only journalist that they used to put this out as a way to confirm it uh, by sources other than themselves. So yeah. That was very significant, right? All right, so we, we were told that this is, before the IRGC came out and took responsibility, we were told that this is the consulate, attack on the U.S. consulate. Some people said there was the airport, but the IRGC itself came out and were like, no, 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 no. We targeted a Mossad base, okay? I don't know how many people know here, but the Kurdistan part of Iraq is a lot more cozy with Israel than the rest of Iraq, okay? And Iranian officials consider the Kurdistan part of Iraq as a Zionist safe haven, right? And they think they they think Kurds as a whole, part of their racism against Kurds as a whole is that they think the Kurds and the Jews get along too well <laughs> okay um and and they so for example no israeli can travel to most of iraq so the autonomous part of iraq which is kurdistan is pretty autonomous like they have their own system of you know foreign ministry like the visa requirements their own government and everything so much so so separate in their foreign policy and their own, you know, internal like government and everything, that if you know Israeli can travel to Iraq, not only Israeli cannot travel to Iraq, if you are a non-Israeli but you have a stamp on your passport that you have been to Israel, you can't travel to Iraq. This is why Israel, by the way, doesn't stamp your passport. When I went to Israel, instead of stamping my passport with a visa, it gave me like this little paper to like that was my supposed to be my visa, right? Because they know some countries don't let you 
go to those go travel there if you have been to Israel. So that's most of Iraq, but Kurdistan not only allows people who in who have been to Israel, they allow Israeli Israelis Israelis could travel to Kurdistan and they do, right? And Iran also considers Erbil to be a Zionist base um, and also the center of the place where attacks on Iran are managed. That's what they claim, right? This claim that this was a Mossad base is kind of sussy because this, this, this Mossad training base, this address apparently was revealed to be a Mossad base a while back. And I don't think any intelligence agency will remain working in the same location if other people already know that this will like, I'm pretty, I'm almost sure that they would have moved by now. Okay. If, if it was common knowledge that this is supposed to be a Mossad base. Right. Uh, and I think that this was just a symbolic attack. And I think they're just BSing that they have killed a whole bunch of Mossad agents. Okay. Because they, they, they have came out with a list of names of the people who have died. Okay. They have a list. Like here are the people who have died. And none of these names, like nobody, like who are these people? And everybody on the other side, like nobody died, but Iran's government apparently claiming like, no, these are the people who died. Okay. It's very similar. This is like so deja vu on Enol Assad. Like the, Iran has too much detail over the people who've died. Like the level of detail is too high for us to believe that you actually know that these are the people who died. Like it just seems like you're making up this. Okay. We'll go over why they're claiming that. Um, let me see what you guys are saying in the live chat before I continue. Okay, so all right, let me continue. Um, okay, so for people who have no, don't know this, like right now, for example, the prime minister in Iraq is calling upon the far, the foreign minister in there to like come and explain themselves as if the foreign ministry um, has anything to do with this. Like you don't understand, like the IRGC is a separate branch of the government in Iran, separate from the presidency, which the, all the ministers are under. And I don't, the presidency, and they're above that, right? Oh, thank you so much, Musica. I just gave us a five dollar super chat. Super chat, uh, Musica. I think for your research and reporting. Oh, thank you, Musica. I really appreciate that. Right. So this was common knowledge for a lot of us that the IRGC is above and beyond the presidency and all the ministries. And if they want to do an attack like this, the foreign ministry in Iran wouldn't be aware. And if if the if the prime minister in Iraq wants the foreign minister in Iraq, uh, Iranian foreign minister in Iraq to come and explain themselves, I don't know what they're gonna say because I don't think they would. They 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 like this. They're gonna be like this is way above my pay grade. We're talking IRGC, okay? You have no idea. I mean, I would argue that IRGC is above the supreme leader, okay? At by this point, okay? So. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, it's as if, like, you want me to explain why, why God does what it does? That's how it comes across to them, right? And this is what we, a lot of us, 
new, but it was m confirmed more based on recent audio le leaks uh, from Javad Zarif, which is the former foreign minister um, uh, who, who under Rouhani, right, under President Rouhani, which is the former president, right, which, which shows how much out of control the foreign ministry of Iran is. Like they have basically zero say, right? Like the foreign ministry in Iran probably heard about these attacks on the news along with the rest of us. Like they would not have been, they would have probably, like you would assume that maybe now they're closer, IRGC and the foreign ministry are closer because the president is racy and now everything is more hardliner. So maybe now they're in line with each other. But that is not true. I actually think the divisions are will increase now, now that everybody is a hardliner, now that you don't have reformers versus hardliner, now that you have hardliners versus hardliners, the competition will increase because now everybody is, you know, the death of Khamenei is getting closer and closer and the reformers have been step, you know, moved aside. Like they're not a threat anymore. Hard is hardliner versus hardliner, right? So this is about the stakes are getting very, very high. And we could talk about the power dynamics in Iran uh, in in the future. But I just want to know, let you know that, you know, the IRGC is a step above, right? So the main goals, a short list of the goals for these attacks as we as it's being reported i'm just going to mention the main three ones that we already discussed but then go over to some more subtle messages that these attack might present and what a lot of experts um both iranian and foreign have been mentioning and i have collected them all here for you and i'm going to go through that list okay but um from a very simplistic you know, list, if we want to go through it, you know, the ones that are being mentioned openly um, is, you know, a revenge for Qasem Soleimani, hence why it was done at 1 a.m. 20 minutes, allegedly, right? Uh, 20 minutes after 1 a.m., right? Um, again, Israeli attacks within Iran or Israeli attack in, uh, on Iranian... Iranian um, officers in Syria, the recent attacks that took uh, two of the highest officials, right? So here's the thing. Um, somebody, I'm a bit off topic, but you should say. Okay, guys, can we keep the discussion on what I'm talking about? Like, this is like taking me off of my game. So let me see what is Kuya saying. Sorry, I'm a bit off topic, but you should ask someone on the Persian channel to subtitle the Catherine Shackdam interview. It was gold and would put an end to some conspiracy theories. Um, yeah, we will do that. I mean, we'll ask, but if no, some, we need volunteers for that. Okay, that's like a two-hour interview. Uh, subtitling that is not going to be an easy task. Anyways, let's get back to topic. Okay, so on the face of this, so let me actually tell you what I'm going to go through, okay? I'm going to go um, first First, mention why these attacks seem very insane, right? Like, why would you do that? I'm going to give you two reasons why it would seem insane. And then I'm going to go over one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight messages that this attack might have been sending and the reasoning behind it. And then I'm going to talk about the Russia connection. By the way, Puya, you're correct. Like that interview that we did with Catherine Shackdam is like a lot of people in our English audience, like the people who are like appreciating that 
are like Qasem and Puya in the live chat because these are um, our Iranian followers and they understand how significant the interview that we did with Catherine Shakedown was because this this was a major, major news. Um, so my guys, make sure you go watch that. But I think that the significance, like a lot of our English audience, like non-Iranian audience, um, they're not going to appreciate what we did. But that was like, we got, that was a really good interview that we did. Okay, so... If you guys are interested in nuances of Iranian politics and the recent mess that Catherine Shekdam has made, go watch it. And it's actually related to this to some extent, right? Um, anyways, um, I actually bring up the relation to this in that interview. So let's go through why, it, at the, on the face of it, this attack. Um, oh, Sina saying, I just finished watching that video, Sina. Okay, good, good. <laughs> okay, so... Let's go over why on the face of the on the face of it this attack seems insane, right? Two reasons that came across my mind, okay? First of all, why would you do this? You're you're going in the middle of the Vienna talks, right? In the middle of Vienna talks, which is the finalization of trying to bring back the JCPOA, the nuclear talks in between the, the one that Trump basically um destroyed and you know biden's trying to bring back with alongside you know five other countries and uh, it, it seems like you know just shooting shooting missiles across iran's border to iraq um would strengthen everybody in the united states that would argue that why are we negotiating why we shouldn't be doing it having a deal with iran like we shouldn't remove the sanctions in in exchange for anything, uh, for, you know, because look at what Iran is doing. The reason Iran is not a country that is going to play nice ever. Like, look, in the right, even in the middle of talks that they need to be at their best behavior, they're doing the most insane crap ever. Um, I mean, like, right after these missile attacks, a whole bunch of Republicans just came out and we were like, yeah, we, we need to stop the talks. We need to stop the negotiations like now. Um, why are we even considering going back to buying oil and gas from Iran? Like, this is insane. Um, so you would think a country like Iran, who is like maybe trying to get back to the JCPOA, trying so intensely to remove the sanctions, you would think that this is not a behavior that you would expect from them, like why, like right in the middle of the talks, right? So from that sense, it might seem like why, why, what the hell? What's this, like? Why would you? Why Iran? Why would you do that? Why you do this, right? Another reason why this sounds insane um, is because of the recent Iraqi election and the Iraqis the Iraqi population's clear message that they are so frustrated with Iran's government meddling in their politics. If like, if, the, if, the, if there was one thing clear, if there was one message that you got from Iraqi people um, in the recent elections in Iraq, if there, if there was one thing that brought Iraqis together, <laughs> more than anything like they're divided over many things okay they're divided over many things but it seems like the two things that they seem it seems like a lot of iraqis agree is like you know this corruption i'm trying not to swear it's hard corruption needs to end okay 
to get Iran out of our country. Like this is like we have our country's politics have been completely hijacked by another country. Like we have become a plaything. We our 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 land has become a battleground between uh, Iran and United States, and only one of these two countries has been able to hijack our you know parliament and the rest of our politics, right? And one of them is about to leave. The other one is increasing. So you want people like, oh, we're against all foreign intervention, both United States and Iran's intervention in Iraq. Okay. Well, one of them is trying to leave. The other one is trying to increase its presence. Okay. So even if you want to be against all intervention, you know, I think like the Iranian intervention seems to be a bigger issue right now for for a lot of Iraqis. Because they're right next door. Like, United States eventually has to go, go step aside, okay? But Iran's government is trying to make Iraq into one of its provinces, okay? And they, they're not even shot. That's not like a conspiracy theory. They openly brag about accomplishing that, right? They, like, basically want to do what they did with Lebanon and more, basically more. They're, like, they want to create a Hezbollah, what... What they what the the creation of Hezbollah in Lebanon, they want to do the same thing with Iraq. So right now, when the government has not yet already been settled in Iraq, like ever since the elections, we still don't have a government in Iraq, right? At this time, where people are trying, like, okay, so the Shia, so we have multiple different Shia groups in Iraq. Muqtadar al-Sadr is like got a lot of seats. And that he's the Shia, he represents the Shias who are like, screw Iran. We're like, we could like unite, you know, we're going to step aside all these other Shia groups who are proxies of Shia parties, who are proxies of Iranian government. And we're not going to let Shias then be used as a tool to for Iran's government to control Iraq, right? So he got all, all the seats, but... But the Iraq, but the Shia prox, um, parties who are actually proxies of Iranian governments, they have a lot of arms. They have a lot of so they they lost badly in the recent election, but they have a lot of military power and uh, you know militias in this in, in Iraq, and they are not accepting the results of these elections and they're trying to bully themselves back into some coalitions, even though they don't have the seats to be able to force their way into any of the coalitions they're like we might not have the votes but we have the guns right so they're trying to use bully tactics to to say no to the to, to the elections right and right now where Ira iraqis might be like no get the hell out we voted you out not it might not be a good time for iraqis to be reminded of how much influence iran has on iraq when they see 12 missiles just crossing borders like you like because the the, the we don't still have a government right in iraq right so it, this is again seems very bad timing right so these are the reasons why this seems like to me very bad timing but now let's go and see what what, what was the what might be the message why might people consider it like no it was fantastic timing and let me see what you guys are saying in the live chat because you guys are talking about other things Okay, Suha, you don't understand. That interview was in English. So you could, like, people are asking us to translate it to Persian. You understand English, so you should understand that interview. 
Okay, Ghasib is saying 99% Putin has ordered this attack. Okay, we'll we'll get to that, Ghasib. We'll we'll get to that. This is the time, this these are the times that I need Susanna on because I really need to go pee. And I don't want to leave you guys here just like looking at an empty screen. But I really need to go pee. Okay, music guy saying it it just shows how divided the Iranian government is, and everyone does their own thing, basically. Okay. Ghasim uh, saying Khomeini has claimed Khomeini Khomeini he's dead has claimed during Iran Iraq war oh had claimed passed to quotes passes through Karbala yes yes and there was during the Iran Iraq war people used to sing soldiers used to sing like today Karbala tomorrow will take quotes or Jerusalem right so the whole idea of the Islamic Revolution was to first take Iran then take uh, Iraq, and then take Syria, and then take Jerusalem. That was the goal. So there's still, like the IRGC, which is the I most ideological branch of Iranian forces, they still have that goal. That's why the foreign section of the IRGC is is called Quds Army, right? Which is, Quds means Jerusalem, right? So imagine, so basically imagine if the CIA which is the branch of the U.S. foreign politics that is involved in like meddling with like beyond United States borders. Imagine if it was named Tehran, right? Because they see that as their final destination. So the Quds Army, the Quds section of the IRGC, which is basically what every all the IRGC's operations beyond Iran's borders is named after the final destination. I mean, they can't be more clear about what they're trying to do here, right? All of these is at the end of the day. So the reason, for example, you see Iran so being operating in Syria and trying to create bases is because at the end of the day, the goal is to be to attack Israel, right? So you need Iraq, you need Syria, and then if these are if these two countries are proxies of Iran, basically Iranian forces could basically drive all the way from Iran to the borders of Israel, right? Okay, take a week. Okay, I'm gonna go take a pee break. I'll be right back. Talk to each other. I'll be this will take like 10 seconds, five seconds. You know what I'm going to do for future videos? I was thinking about this when I was peeing. Um, I'm going to have videos that have video news reports ready that like explains things. And then I'll just play it while I'm, while I'm away. So that's going to be my strategy. Okay. Anyways, where was I? All right. So these, uh, so I went through the, so the messages. Okay. Um, like I said, there's no evidence that Mossad was present there. Right. 
So they claim that this was we we took at, this was a Mossad base. So Israeli, we took out Israeli spies, right? And we're so proud of it. We are so proud of it. And there's no evidence for that, right? Um, we already went over that. But let me actually, um, there. So this again, like you said, this is so similar to the anal Assad attack, and. People have to understand this is also so demonstrative of the divide that exists within the within hardliners, right? Why would you let's say let's assume, right? Both in 2020, January 2020, and in this attack uh, in, on anal Assad's U.S. base, and on this one, and this attack, which is like a former Mossad base in Erbil. Um, IRGC attack these places knowing that nobody's going to die, right? But with the message that we actually killed people internally. Why would they do that? First of all, why would they be so careful back then and now not to kill anybody, right? Um, even if they were like targeting the consulate, this was at a time that nobody was working there and nobody's there, you know, you know just, it's 1 a.m., okay? Um, it's possible that they went out of, not only that they didn't kill anybody, it's possible that they went out of their way to make sure that they're not killing anybody, especially foreigners, right? Um, but why? First of all, because if they if that's what actually happened, is because they don't want to escalate, right? They don't want a retaliation, you know? And But they need to justify, they need to show strength internally. There's a lot of frustration internally by hardliners for a lack of clear proof of revenge for the assassination of Qasem Soleimani. And furthermore, Israel seems to have a lot of the demonst demonstrates a lot of ability to damage the Islamic Republic of Iran within Iran and within Syria. And the reaction to that by the Islamic Republic hasn't been significant. I mean, like we have a lot of news about like attacks on nuclear facilities in Iran, you know, uranium enrichments, the gas stations, all these generals dying in Syria, all these bases being taken out in Syria by Israel, and they take they capture the news, right? But Iran's reaction has always been like meh. Like, not that strong. They are so desperate that I see, like, pro-Iranian government um, YouTubers and stuff, for example. Every time an Israeli officer dies, just even from natural causes, like a heart attack, they have to be like, that was us, that we did that, you know? You know, we need you know this, and they want to put, like, they, they come up with, so oh, my God, conspiracy theories for why this was them, right? Um but why is the, there's so much frustration because they have been made to look, you know, the IRGC has been made to look very weak. Um, they want to retaliate without, they, they, they need content for internal consumption by hardliners because hardliners are turning on each other like never before. And any apparent weakness will not be tolerated internally. So they need to produce something for the hardliners internally for them to fool themselves into some demonstration of strength that, oh yeah, we did take revenge. We take 
Absolutely. Like, oh, my God, we killed 100 American soldiers, and now we killed a whole bunch of Mossad agents. We did. We did, right? And there's not that much of an... I mean, the reports come in, like, we actually... There's no bodies. Nobody seems to have died. But by the there's no attempt of cor correction by by intelligence by other side because that would be insane why would the other side come and say like well actually no here's the evidence that they didn't kill anybody right because because then they would force the irgc to actually kill somebody <laughs> right because if they imagine if like i don't know u.s intelligence came and said like actively show that nobody died and here's the evidence then you're forcing the irgc's hand because to appease the hardliners internally to actually do somewhat something more serious so that they shut the hell up, right? But you don't want them to do that. So you're like, okay, let, let them think that you killed people. Okay. So you know, that's one thing that is happening. Let me actually say, let me see. So I in my notes I wrote, usually they try to show strength internally and they only hit symbolically significant places, but not and no kills for us so that they don't escalate. Remember the anal asset one? They actually leaked the information on purpose so that Americans move their soldiers, right? But let me see what you guys are saying. Yeah, Puya saying that's what they did last time as well. Yes, yeah, like a, it's a physical empty threat. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um Negar, I Negar is here. Negar is like saying I'm on point with her emojis. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let me go to my next point. Right. So that's one message that they're sending internally. So the ne next thing that some people again, I don't know how true these messages could be. But I have seen security experts suggest them. So I'm just like repeating them here. These are not my opinions. I'm just repeating some security experts suggesting these. Okay. Some people are suggesting that this was a warning. Two, di two different people in two different places have suggested that this could be a warning to the Kurds, but two different kinds of messages. Okay. So the Kurds in Kurdistan, right? So, like I said, the Kurdistan part of Iraq is a place that is more friendlier to Israel to Israel than the rest of Iraq. I don't know if you guys heard about the seminar the, that they had in Kurdistan about like being pro-Zionist and something, and the rest of Iraq was like, "What the hell is happening? Is this even Iraq? How could we have this?" Like everybody lost their mind. Like Iranian hardliners lost their mind over that. Like that was crazy that you could have that in Iraqi land, Iraqi land, having that kind of a seminar where people actually come and talk about stuff like that. You know, that's insane. That's like a major taboo. Okay. Um. So, and also, like I said, like a lot of officials in Iran have this, um, have this, idea that I claim again that Erbil is a base for making plans against Iran um, and this could have been a warning to the Kurdistan that you know you can't just get away with this right so that's one thing I heard another warning to Kurdistan be about something else um, I heard people suggesting that this could be warning to Kurds in Kurdistan not to create unity with the Shia 
with the Shia parties that are not in line with the Shia parties that are proxies of your, the Iranian government, right? So, you know, the, the Shia party that is under Muqtadar al-Sadr, he's trying to sideline all these other Shia parties that are complete the complete puppets of the Iranian government by making coalitions with a whole bunch of Sunnis and Kurdish parties, right? And if he's successful, these other Iranian parties in Iraq will become completely irrelevant, right? So this could also be a warning to the Kurds not to unite with Muqtadar al-Sadr, right? So that's that's another suggestion, right? Um, this one I already mentioned a couple of times. The message could have been to Israel about its killing of uh, two of its high officials in Syria. Um, another thing we mentioned was the, another message could have been a revenge for Qasem Soleimani because it was at 1 uh, 20 a.m. The internal message we also talked. Okay, so now we got to the juicy stuff where this is gets like um, everything gets nuclear, okay, literally. This could uh, have connections to the Vienna talks and also with Ukraine and Russia situation, right? So how? How could it? You know, how could it have connection to this? We're getting like we're escalating everything. Okay, now we're getting to world like the the the, the connection to this to everything beyond the borders of Iran and Iraq, right? But let me see what you guys are saying. Puya is saying, I love how half the live chat is are Iranians. Yeah, <laughs> you guys need to, yeah, okay, good. <laughs> I, so, no, it's good that half the live chats are Iranians because you guys could, like, correct me if I am if I am wrong about anything. Yeah. You know, if you guys have a different take so people could see multiple interpretation. Or if you, no, if you, and also if you confirm, if you want to confirm what I'm saying so people know that this is not just me. Okay. All right, so Vienna talks. So the JCPOA 2.0, right? Some people are saying that these attacks might be a signal to the negotiators, right? Because remember, the negotiators do are not necessarily <laughs> their goals and their motivations might not necessarily be in line with IRGC. I know a lot of people have this impression that uh, the way they analyze Iranian foreign politics, right? Like if you look at like a lot of YouTubers where they talk about Iranian foreign policy, they speak as if like everything that comes out of Iran is just like out of a, comes from like this unanimous agreement from all the powers that be, right? But the negotiations are not just between the Iranian government and United States, Okay. The negotiations are between the Iranian government versus the Iranian government versus the Iranian government versus Russia versus United States versus a few other countries like China and some European countries, right? But mostly Iran versus Iran versus Iran versus Russia versus US, right? and when I say Iran versus Iran versus Iran, I'm talking about the first Iran that I'm saying is um, everybody that is more, you know. So actually, there's four Irans, okay? The office of Khamenei, the supreme leader. The second Iran is IRGC. 
The third Iran is Racy and all the people responsible for the negotiations, directly responsible for the negotiations. And the fourth Iran um, is like the less relevant reformers now. And I don't even want to mention the fifth Iran, which are the people, because they are completely irrelevant in these talks, right? Um, you know, they have been made irrelevant by the government, so they're not even part of the picture, right? But so these attacks might be a message from one part of the Iranian government to another part of the Iranian government or a message from one part of the Iranian government to the United States, okay? And both of them would be the same message. We're not willing to make the missiles, right? The missile pro Iranian missile program. Um, we're not willing to negotiate that as part of the, this new deal. Like, if you guys are thinking because they might be forcing the hand of the negotiators, right? Or forcing or sending they either are they could either be forcing the hand of the negotiators or sending the signal to the United States that this is just a bad nuclear stuff. Okay. Our missile program will remain active. And this is how bold we are about that. We're using it right now while you're talking, while you're making the negotiations, right? So if the if there's like a if the IRGC gets the impression that negotiators are maybe signaling to the United States that okay, maybe we'll like back up a little bit with the missiles, okay? That message of the negotiators to the United States would be completely dismissed. If the IRGC just sends 12 missiles right into Iraq, the negotiators were like, maybe not. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> so maybe their hands would be forced to accept that. Negar is saying I got confused. Okay, so imagine the negotiators in the Iranian negotiators might be like they were like they were they're easing up some of the red lines that they said they were not going to cross because we're getting at the final hour at the of the agreements. Everything is getting like everybody is like all the things that were supposed to be red lines are now not red lines anymore. And maybe like the negotiators are willing to cross some of these red lines more than the IRGC is willing to. And if there's any leak of suggestion or if any leak of information or if any hint that the negotiators are crossing those red lines, maybe IRGC wants to use the missiles to be like, don't you dare doing that. Because like, look, the IRGC also wants to remind everybody that the we are the people in charge, okay? It's not the negotiators. It's not Raisi. It could potentially, like, be also signaling that it's not even Khamenei. It's the IRGC, okay? Like, if nobody knew about us doing this and we did this, just remember that at the end of the day, if you don't appease us, the deal doesn't have any legitimacy. Like, we are the people who decide whether there's going to be a missile program or not and how much we're going to use it beyond our borders. And that your deal means nothing. Like, you're making, you're making, you're negotiating. Like, if the, you're negotiating with somebody that doesn't even have access to the missiles, it's us who have access to the missiles. If they promise you that we're not going to use the missiles, like, who are they? We, we are the IRGC, <laughs> right? So that's what I, that's what I'm saying, you know, telling you. Okay. This is okay. Music guy is saying, I need a diagram for this. I think I made it pretty simple. 
um, but it ran is okay so so now I'm gonna okay so the nigger saying it was solved thank you okay you're welcome so now the last message or the last part of this which we get is gonna get more interesting I think this is you know goes back again it's still connected to the Vienna talks but now it gets Russia and Ukraine involved right one other reason why and it gets Russia and Ukraine involved in multiple different ways right one reason why these attacks might be happening right now is because the United States is being stretched is attention and its resources and its political capital very important its political capital is being drained right now uh, with their focus on ukraine right so it, it, that's why like having this attack right now might be very timely because of the fact that united states is you know exhausted and drained and stretched thin right and also, United States needs gas. The world needs gas and oil right now, okay? And they need Venezuela's and Iran's and Saudi Arabia's. Well, they have Saudi Arabia's. I mean, Saudi Arabia is not returning Biden's call, so they're, like, playing hard to get. But they, this deal going through, the Vienna deal going through, would be very it couldn't come at a better time. Like it made the Vienna, the, the nuclear deal with Iran happening and the sanctions being removed a lot more important than before because Iran has a lot of oil and has a lot of gas. Iran has a lot of gas, okay? A lot of it, right? So, and the world needs that right now. And if we could have a deal with Iran and remove the sanctions, it couldn't come soon enough for the world, right? So Iran's government might see like they have the upper hand right now. And right now when it seems, again, it seems like we're at the final stages of the deal going through. Again, it seems, okay? I know it had seemed like that for a while now. But right now it seems, it seems a little bit more than it seemed before. Um, Iran might be like, Okay, we want to push a little bit harder for to not give some of the things that we seem like we want to give because you you guys need need us now more than before. So they think they have the upper hand. That what might be a perfect time for them to poke at the United States, especially because the whole pivot to Asia of United States is being challenged again. Okay, so you know Obama wanted to pivot to Asia, Trump wanted to do trump doesn't seem to want to do anything he was just a random crazy insane person but biden is picking that up um and they recognize that the most important foreign policy um i mean they recognize that the most important foreign policy by united states has to be a focus on china okay a pivot to asia um and putin has basically take took a giant dump on that plan, right? And Iran wants to add to the already existing dump that Putin has 
contributed and add a whole bunch to it, okay? With, because for example, as part of this pivot to Asia and focus, you know, changing the focus of the United States foreign policy, one, one way of, one way that, uh, one major part of that is pulling out of the Middle East and Afghanistan. I say in Afghanistan because the Middle East stops at the eastern borders of Iran. Okay, don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Okay, so pulling out of Afghanistan, pulling out of Iraq, uh, pulling out of Syria—that is a major goal by Biden. And Iran could be trying to make that impossible for United States, possibly, possibly, and by some people's argument, probably, like Gossam here in the live chat, on be as a request by Putin himself. Okay, I don't know if it's probably or possibly. I think Basim in the live chat was suggesting that this is a probable thing. Probable thing. This is like very costly. Very like it's going to be. It's very important for Biden to pull out of Iraq, especially given that he needs a major win before the upcoming elections. It's not looking good for Democrats, right? They need a major win. And this is going to make things complicated. Pulling out of Iraq is going to be very complicated. You know, Iran's government might keep claiming that our goal is to push United States out of Iraq, but United States want to move out of Iraq, and you know, the Iranian government actually wants to make that difficult for them. It's actually the opposite of what they're saying. Okay, they want to leave, uh, and Iran says like we want to push you, push you out, but they want to make sure that it's as the most costly thing that they have to do, make it very, very difficult for them, right? Um, by the way, the, the whole attempt of this pivot to Asia and pulling out of Iraq and other places, um, pulling out of the Middle East as a whole, is going to significantly increase the role of Israel and Saudi Arabia, okay? Like, United States, and again, this is why Saudi Arabia is going to find it's itself as you know they're going to see that they also have the upper hand mostly because they have also oil and gas but also that because how much they are needed right right now against you know iranian forces um because you know and they don't like the fact that united states is pulling out but if united states wants to pull out the, the, it also needs to make sure that it could rely on saudi arabia and israel it's going to very significantly improve the increase their roles okay Guys, in the next decade or so, this whole Iran situation might escalate to a lot more. Like this might become a major part of the news. Okay. The the situation that we're seeing between Ukraine and Russia, we might have a similar thing eventually happening between Israel and Iran, especially because Israel has promised not to let Iran go nuclear, right? And everything we have seen, but by nuclear, I don't mean nuclear energy. I'm talking nuclear weapons, okay? And don't let other people like Kyle Kulinsky, Kulinsky like tell you otherwise. Iran wants nuclear weapons, not nuclear energy, okay? We have seen so much evidence for that. And eventually, it seems like, you know, and Israel has promised not to let that happen. So we're going to see a conflict. We might eventually see a conflict. This will escalate to a level. And again, this is going to be very more, you know, as ideological as Putin seems, 
he's not as ideological. Like he does, he, you know, it might be seem crazy because because of recent events in Russia to call Putin more pragmatic than ideological because he seems to be in the past two years, uh, he seemed to have gone more ideological because I think, I think the pandemic broke his brain because he was too isolated for two years. But Iran's government will have be even more ideological, and that would be significantly more dangerous, okay, if they are nuclear, right? And it would be, and given that the United States wants to pull out of the Middle East, we're going to have to rely on Israel to be able to stop that with all the agents and everything that they have, right? This is going to be insane. Um, all right. And I just want to highlight the now that i mentioned russia and the fact that it's, po it's potentially possible that iran is doing these missile attacks because of a request by putin himself okay i want to highlight the russia angle the russian influence on all, everything that the irgc does a little bit i want to touch on that a little bit but before i mention russia i want to see what you guys if you guys are agreeing or not in the live chat um another reason okay no what does that mean okay <laughs> it's a golden time for so Qasem is saying it's a golden time for the islamic republic to switch to west putin worries about this yes you're so right okay if islamic republic offers its gas and oil russia is officially done guys this is one of the greatest nightmares by putin among many other nightmares that he has is for the Islamic Republic of Iran to have normal relationships with the rest of the world, right? Ever since we had the audio leaks from Javad Zarif, a lot of what we have been saying has, has been confirmed by the amount of control Russia has over the IRGC and how much how much of Russia's foreign policy is carried out by the IRGC and for what reason, okay? Russian officials have openly said that, I mean, they to me, it's an, uh, like what I've heard them saying seems like an unbelievable admission and also an exaggeration, okay? Like, I, why would you say that? Because what I heard them say, like, I couldn't believe it. This was, they, they were actually saying this. These was Russian officials, Persian-speaking Russian officials, specifically saying that if Iran becomes close to the West, it's over for Russia. That, to me, sounds like an exaggeration. By, but why would you even admit that, okay, that that's your goal? Because Russia has become has been the advocate on behalf of Iran in the nuclear talks, especially given that Khamenei said that we will not be directly talking to the United States, okay? And you have your main advocate openly admitting that their goal is for you not to have normal relationships with the rest of the world for their own self-interest. I want you to think about that. Like, guys, the Iranian people right now would benefit if the Islamic Republic of Iran was like not this, fa these fascists. So much if they had like 
a normal relationship with the world, you have no idea what would that what it would do with for the Iranian people. Okay, but Russia is a major part of the nuclear talks. It has always been a major part of the nuclear talks. Everybody thinks like the nuclear talks is between United States and Iran. Okay, they forget a whole bunch of other countries that are involved, but the main player in these talks is Russia. Okay. Especially in these in this version two of these talks, where Khamen, the idiot that is Khamenei have come and said because Trump was responsible for pulling out of the deal, we will not talk to them directly. We will not talk in this rounds. We will never sit with them and talk to them directly. So all negotiations that is being done for with the United States. The person that is taking Iran's side in in the negotiations and speaking on behalf of Iran, the the person, the country is Russia. Imagine backstabbing yourself, like shooting yourself in the foot so significantly when it comes to deals. There's this assumption by Khamenei that. The Russians are protect are like our Iran's friends or whatever, right? But they're being used. They're being used because if Iran has normal relationship with the West, Iran would be a competitor to Russia in supplying the world with oil and gas. A significant competitor. It will always be within the best interest of, for of Russia, for two reasons. One, because uh, for for Iran to be, they don't want Iran to have nuclear weapons because that would be too much escalation. But they also don't want Iran to have they want they don't want it to be like an outright war. But they also don't want normal relationship. One, because it would be um, a competition in the market with them, and two, because. Um, it would be so good for the United States, <laughs> right, to have access to the market, right? Um, but basically, this is Iranian officials selling the interest of the Iranian people to the Russians, because the Russians, the R Russian government—I shouldn't say Russians. Please don't hate the Russian people. Okay, this is like the Russian government, right? The Russian government is doing a good job at guaranteeing, especially IRGC, that they will have their back, but at the cost to the Iranian people. Right? At the end of the day, IRGC doesn't care about the Iranian people, right? However, <laughs> okay, so here's the interesting thing, okay? So I mentioned they are using the Vienna talks as leverage. Um, but I'm going to contradict what I just said. Let's go back to Syria and ru what Russia is doing in Syria. Okay. Because in Syria, by the way, imagine the people of Syria and Iraq and Lebanon always having to like, we're talking about Iraq, Syria, and Lebanon as if like what we don't talk about is the Syrian people or the Iraqi people or the Lebanese people. It's like, this is just like a chessboard between Iran and, you know, these all these other countries. <laughs> and, like, you know, as if, like, this is just our playground. Like, who would be damned? The, the, the Iraqi and Syrian and Lebanese people would be damned. 
apparently. Okay, but let's go to Syria. So I just mentioned that Putin, uh, you know, the Iranian government sees Putin as their guardians, apparently at the world stage. However, not the the Russian government openly allows Israel to target Iranian assets in Syria. And the Iranian officials know that. Russia and Israel would never want to go into conflict with each other, okay? Russia and Iranian and IRGC are working with each other in Syria. However, Russia's goals in Syria is different from the IRGC's goals in Syria, right? Both of them want to make sure that United States doesn't have the upper hand in Syria. That's why they both defended Assad. But IRGC is looking at Israel, and Putin is mostly looking at the United States. So Israeli, Israelis don't like the fact that Russia is coming to Syria with these all these Iranian forces. So they're like, hey, what the hell, Russia? We're not gonna let we're not gonna let our our backyard turn into an Iranian proxy, and Russia is like, okay, yes, yes, yes. I can. Mean, Russia doesn't want to go in direct conflict with Israel, so Russia and when Israel wants to attack Iranian forces, they don't want to take out any Russian soldiers. That would be devastating for their relationship between Russia and Israel. So Israel very probably has to communicate with Russia. <laughs> <laughs> when they want to attack Iranian's forces. And Russia has to make sure that they clear the ground for Israelis to take out IRGC. So basically, Israeli forces are taking IRGC assets and high officers with the permission of Russia in Syria with the clearing of them, even though Russia and Iranian forces are working with each other in Syria. You see how kind of confusing that would get? So you're like, okay, we're working with them, but if you're gonna, like, you could, like, you could have it. Like, you're like, okay, we're gonna go back so you don't shoot us, but you go at them, right? So that's what's working. So, and people, and a lot of Iranians see that, and they're like, how pathetically weak and you, you're like, they're looking at IRGC who's like trying to claim that they are so powerful and strong and like, they're like, oh my God, we're showing our enemies like with for internal consumption to show how powerful they are and how they're crushing their enemies. But they're being humiliated because they're actually, ever since the audio, leak, audio leaks from of Javad Zarif and people are now noticing how all everything IRGC does is in line with what Putin would want and they're saying like you guys, you guys don't even have self determination. You guys are just being, you you're not not only you're not strong, you're just a puppet of Russia. Not only, and you are such a pathetic, weak puppet of Russia that your daddy Putin, even you can you don't even dare speak up against them, even when he pulls back for Israeli forces to attack you, right? And like. So this is the lens that what a lot of anti-regime Iranian people look at everything now in politics. Everything they look at, they're looking at Russia's influence. And sometimes these causes a lot of conspiracy theories as well. Like they're connecting everything to Russia, right? 
But like that's the lens everybody is now looking. Like a lot of people are looking at this right now. See how careful I am not to be make absolute statements. I just said everybody, and then I corrected myself. Okay, I'm trying to be as careful as possible. Okay, one thing. I, I have to be more careful about it's not talking about like Russians, okay? I'm talking about Russian government like that. I, I'm more careful when it comes to the Iranian government, but I need to also be more careful with other governments as well, okay? Because I don't want to promote like any form of um, racism or generalization about any group of people, okay? But a lot of people in Iran, for example, just give me the most recent example, when everybody was waiting to see what the Supreme Leader had to say about Ukraine. Right. And every, everybody always waits for him to see what he has to say about the most recent events. Right. And what people notice is that Russia was not even mentioned. Like he talked about Ukraine. He talked about, you know, United States. But he didn't mention Russia. Correct me, guys, if I'm guys, actually correct me. He didn't mention Russia. Right. Because that was uh, people are like, you are not you're so scared. Like because everybody associates most people again, associate Russia with the aggressor. But it would be, it's so obvious that Russia is the aggressor, but they don't want to condemn Russia. But instead of like, it would be too obvious if they come and say Russia is not the aggressor, because that would be so lame and obviously untrue. So there, he didn't even mention Russia. He mentioned Ukraine and other countries. Yeah, so Puya is, Puya is confirming that he didn't mention, he didn't say Russia once. Like, they're like, look how scared you are of your master, so called supreme leader, this, the representative of God on earth. My ass, God, this, this, the speech of God on earth. The closest thing to revelation by of a prophet, the guardian of Mehdi's upcoming world dumb, you know, government, has is so scared of his actual master Putin that he can't even utter the name Russia because saying that would have to make him pass a judgment either against or for. And for it would be too pathetically, it would be too obvious for the Iranian people that that's unjustified because everybody can see what's happening. So he just doesn't even mention Russia. Like, like, like people came out and said, look how scared you are of your actual master. Like, this is why. Oh, by the way, <laughs> um, I don't know what they're calling him now. There's, there's actually, people are now calling Putin because of all these things. Imam Zaman Putin? Like, is that what they're calling him now? Like, maybe he's the, he's the Mehdi. Like, that's your actual Mehdi. I don't know what they call... Yes. Imam Zaman Putin. That's what they're calling him. Look at this cover, for example. Hold on. Let me show you the cover of this. They're like, this is your actual religion. It's not, it's not the Mehdi. <laughs> Look at the graphics people are making. Just a second, I'll have it up in a sec. Yeah, so this is what people in Iran are making. So this is the what is Zuhur? The appearance or the the coming back of the Mehdi, the, the the sudden return 
of Imam Zaman, which is the Shia version of calling name for Mehdi. So Imam Zaman Putin, which is like Mehdi Putin. And you can see all these graphics of showing Putin as with the turban and like an Islamic beard or putting Putin's face on like what's supposed to be Imam Ali, like showing him as this religious like Shia figure that like, so basically they're saying that this is your actual, your actual religion. Right. This is the per- this is your actual master. Right. <laughs> what do you mean? Okay. <laughs> oh, the advent. Yeah, Qasim is doing a better translation. The advent of Imam Zaman. Yes, or or the Mehdi. So Imam Zaman. For people who don't know, Imam Zaman is how Shia Iranians refer to the Mehdi. The Mehdi in Shia Islam is somewhat. Um, Okay, so somebody on Twitch is asking, what other platforms are you streaming on? We're streaming on Twitch, on Atheist Republic, um, on YouTube, on Secular Jihadist YouTube channel, and our fa- on Facebook, we're streaming on fa- a Secular Jihadist Facebook uh, page as well, right? Yeah, so guys, we're on Twitch, Atheist Republic, uh, on Twitch as well, right? Cool. So now this was a summary. I think I, I think I did a good job in giving you guys a lot of details. Oh, yeah, Yuval is here. Yuval, who's an Israeli, um, saying, according to Israelis, um, I don't know what this is, Giora, Elian, Putin actually offered a compromise deal by which Russia would operate a nuclear plant for Iran and the U.S. Um, uh, thought did it? I don't know how to use that word. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I, I heard... I heard um, Russia offer Russia also does a, Russia is offering Iran to do uh, to, I mean builds Iran's nuclear facilities but they also want to make sure that Iran is dependent on Russia for the enrichment of the uraniums as well like they want them to be yeah so you know they want they always want um, the Iranian government to remain dependent on Russia um, and you know it's it's hard for Iranian government. The Iranian government doesn't have any many friends around the world, right? So they have to. If if China and Russia are supporting the Iranian government internationally, um, they have to. Iranian government doesn't have much of a choice but to take what it can get, and that means that China's government, the CCP and Putin, um, would. You know they wouldn't do that for free, right? And what that cost will be to Iranian government will actually not be to the Iranian government; it will be to the Iranian people. And the Iranian people are constantly are noticing what they are losing to the CCP and to Putin just to be able to keep this current government and more specifically the IRGC in power, right? Anyways, so that was all. Um, if you appreciate all the detail that I gave you here today, please, please make sure you like this video and you share this video with as many people as you can. Tell them that you're not good. You're, guys, show me another place with this level of detail. It doesn't exist, okay? I'm giving you a service and I gave it to you for free, okay? I gave you all this information for free so you could just appreciate this by liking the video and by recommending our YouTube channel, Secular Jihadist, to more people, okay? And also... Um, you could become yes, people are, like Soho is also saying that if you can become a secular journalist patron, a link in the description. Um, I do Q and A's where I specifically answer patron questions. Um, so if you want to support us and take advantage of that uh, feature, 
please become a patron and support us financially. But also, please do not support us financially if you're struggling financially. Uh, you're not allowed, okay? If anybody is considering to support us financially while they're all, while they're struggling, uh, you are being an idiot. What are you doing? Are you saying like like do not do that, okay? On, the only people who are allowed to support us financially are people who are comfortable financially, okay? Link to our Patreon is link uh, is in the description. Thank you, everybody. Um, music guy saying great stream and thought provoking. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. Leave leave comments as well. When the stream is over, comments really help grow the channel. Oh, Negar saying you are the best activist, Armin. Oh, thank you. Qasim is saying it was a great, it was great. Thank you. See you tomorrow. Yes, see you tomorrow on the Persian channel, guys. We have a Persian channel. We do we do streams in Persian as well. Um, <laughs> so Terrell is saying, I wonder if Kyle Kolinsky has said, but bro. Peace mission. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, no. I think Kyle Kolinsky uh, has become better with the, is becoming less of a tank. He was like, he thinks he's not a tanky, but he was a little bit of a tanky. He's becoming a, less of a tanky when it comes to the Russia thing. So it's good. But with Iran, he's still cringe. All right. Love you guys. Well, no, I actually have to be honest with you guys. I like you very much. Don't believe the content creators who tell you that they love you. Okay. They haven't even met you. How could they love you? I like you very much. I appreciate your support. And talk to you guys soon. Bye.